RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. The headlines. Elderly people will be able to get a COVID jab without an appointment as officials seek to boost take-up. There's a warning that a sharp fall in the number of pupils could force the closure of some primary schools. And in Tokyo, Hong Kong's swimming queen, Shibon Hai, makes history in the 200 metres freestyle. People aged 70 and older will be able to get a coronavirus vaccine without booking from Thursday under a scheme intended to boost their low vaccination rate. Wendy Wong has details. Under the scheme, elderly people will be able to claim one of 4,600 passes each day for a same-day vaccination. They'll be available at quarter to eight in the morning at each of the 24 community vaccination centres. But officials have told elderly people there's no need to get up early or queue as passes will be available every day. People can also send a caretaker to pick up a pass and return at the designated time to receive their inoculation. While Hong Kong has seen an increase in vaccine bookings, the rate of inoculation among elderly people remains low. Older people are most at risk from COVID-19, but only 5.5% of vaccine doses have gone to those aged 70 or over. The honorary chairman of the Aided Primary School Heads Association, Cheng Yin Pong, has warned that some schools may have to close down due to an exodus of pupils. His comments came after official figures from October last year showed a fall of 15,000 in the number of pupils on a year earlier. The fall has been blamed on difficulties faced by mainland-based pupils due to a border closure and the departure of families after the national security law was introduced. Mr Chang said there were vacancies across different grades and sometimes two or three siblings would withdraw at the same time. The chairman of the Direct Subsidy Scheme Schools Council says around twice as many pupils have left his school this year and it's having difficulty filling the 50 vacant places. Dion Chen didn't mention which school, but he was previously principal of YMCA of Hong Kong Christian College, a secondary school in Tung Chung. Mr Chen said it wasn't unusual for higher form pupils to study abroad, but now younger children were leaving. Three national security judges are expected to deliver a verdict this afternoon in the landmark trial of the first person charged under the national security law. Former waiter Tong Ying Kit, who's 24, pleaded not guilty to charges of terrorism and inciting secession, as well as an alternative charge of dangerous driving causing grievous bodily harm. He's accused of driving his motorcycle into three police officers while carrying a flag with a protest slogan on July the 1st last year, just after the law was enacted. His trial was presided over by judges Esther To, Anthea Pang and Wilson Chan. Overseas, North and South Korea have restored a communications hotline between them, which was cut off by Pyongyang more than a year ago. North Korea has suffered increasing hardships, including a shortage of food, since closing its borders in response to the pandemic. The BBC's Laura Becker reports from Seoul. The North Korean leader Kim Jong-un and South Korea's President Moon Jae-in agreed to restore the severed lines of communication in letters that they've exchanged since April. Talks between North and South came to a halt last June after Pyongyang accused Seoul of allowing defectors to fly anti-North Korean leaflets over the border. North Korea also blew up an office built to hold talks between the two countries. But in a statement, Pyongyang described the restoration of the hotline as a big stride to restoring mutual trust. 
The authorities in the US state of Florida say they've identified the remains of the last person to be discovered following the collapse of a seafront apartment block a month ago. Estelle Hedaire was the 98th person confirmed to have died when the building came down. The Miami-Dade mayor, Daniela Levine-Cava, spoke to reporters. Although we have identified all of the victims that were reported missing, the Miami-Dade Police Department continues the ongoing search and recovery effort on the evidentiary pile to ensure that all identifiable human remains are recovered. President Biden says U.S. troops will end their combat mission in Iraq by the end of the year. He was speaking during a visit to Washington by the Iraqi Prime Minister Mustafa al-Kadimi. There are currently 2,500 U.S. soldiers in Iraq. Many are expected to remain training and mentoring Iraqi forces as they fight what's left of the Islamic State group. Mr. Biden said the U.S. would continue supporting Iraq in any way it could. Our shared fight against ISIS is critical for the stability of the region and our counterterrorism cooperation uh, will continue even as we shift to this new phase we're going to be talking about. Mr. Al-Kadimi spoke alongside Joe Biden at the White House. Today our relation is stronger than ever. Our partnership, our economy, the environment, health, educated, culture, and more. I'm looking forward to work with you, Mr. President, to bring our two countries more closer for benefit of Iraq and United States. The aid agency Save the Children is calling on international donors to help rebuild the shattered city of Raqqa in northeast Syria. It says children are living in the ruins of the former capital of the Islamic State Caliphate with little access to education, food or basic goods. Drought has led to water shortages and rising disease. Here's the BBC's James Landale. Raqqa was for a few years the capital of Islamic State's so-called caliphate in Syria. In a ferocious battle in 2017, the city was retaken by mostly Kurdish militias backed by US-led coalition forces. Four years on, the situation remains grim. Save the Children says little has been done to repair damaged homes and hospitals. The charity says there's urgent need for greater humanitarian support from international donors, including those like the US and the UK, whose airstrikes reduced so much of Raqqa to rubble. Leading scientists have warned that mega heat waves could become up to 20 times more common in the second half of the century. The research comes as an intergovernmental panel on climate change, the IPCC, meets to review scientific reports on extreme weather events. The BBC's Roger Harabin. Governments will study evidence that since the Industrial Revolution, all or almost all of the temperature rise of around 1.2 Celsius has been caused by burning fossil fuels. Three years ago, an IPCC report warned that heating of more than 1.5 Celsius would risk dangerous consequences. This week's meeting will hear that threshold may be breached within a dozen years, much earlier than previously thought. Meanwhile, scientists say the temperature rise so far is causing some extreme weather events and making others worse. The Inuit rights advocate Mary Simon has become Canada's first Indigenous woman to hold the post of Governor-General. The role involves being the official representative of Queen Elizabeth. The Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, said Ms Simon's appointment was significant. This is a big place. This is a diverse place. And so we need people like Ms. Simon 
because we need people who build bridges and bring us together. A leader in reaching Canada's first land claims agreement and now Canada's first Indigenous Governor-General. To financial news, the country's most indebted developer, China Evergrande, has seen its shares sink 10% after it announced it's scrapping a special dividend. In a stock exchange filing, the firm said it considered the market environment, the rights of its shareholders and creditors, and the long-term development of its business. Meanwhile, the Hang Seng Index slipped under the 26,000 mark as it extended losses following yesterday's 1,100-point rout. A short time ago, it was down 283 points at 25,909. The Amazon founder Jeff Bezos has offered NASA a $2 billion US dollar discount if it allows his Blue Origin company to build a spacecraft to land astronauts on the moon. He's written an open letter to the US Space Agency, as the BBC's Peter Bowes reports. NASA's plan is for the moon landing system to carry astronauts to the lunar surface as early as 2024. To foster competition, the space agency wanted to award two contracts to build the vehicle. But a shortfall in funds from Congress meant that only one company, Elon Musk's SpaceX, was chosen. Blue Origin lost out, but Jeff Bezos says he'll provide the extra funds needed to keep his company in the race. The billionaire said his landing vehicle will be tested in orbit around the Earth at the company's own expense in the hope of carrying astronauts to the moon's surface for the first time since Apollo 17 in 1972. The electric car maker Tesla has registered a big increase in sales and profits despite supply chain problems hampering the industry. The US-based manufacturer said revenue almost doubled to about 12 billion US dollars in the second quarter compared to last year. Tesla hopes to boost sales by more than 50% this year. Currencies, the US dollar is trading at 110.17 yen, the euro is at 1 US dollar 18 cents, and the pound will get you 10 Hong Kong dollars and 75 cents. And now to sport, including the latest from Tokyo, here's Todd Harding. It's been another historic day for Hong Kong at the Tokyo Olympics, with the territory's top swimmer powering her way to a final. More details from Damon Pang. Hong Kong's top swimmer Shaban Hohi has made history by cruising into the final of the 200-metre freestyle at the Tokyo Olympics, notching the second fastest time in the semi-final heats. This is the first time a Hong Kong swimmer has reached an Olympic final, and she did so with a time of 1 minute 55.16. Swimming in lane 6 in the first semi next to Australian Ariana Titmus, who won yesterday's 400m freestyle gold, Hohi delivered a strong performance, leading the pack for most of the race until she was overtaken by Titmus in the final stretch. The 23-year-old finished about a third of a second behind the Australian. Hohi will race for gold tomorrow morning. Other Hong Kong athletes in action this morning in table tennis, Do Hoi Kam has beaten 17-year-old Jin Yubin of South Korea by four games to two and goes through to the round of 16. She's playing again this evening. The women's Ape team of Vivian Kong, Kaylin Xie and Coco Lin were eliminated in the quarterfinals by the Chinese trio of Sun Yiwen, Lin Sheng and Zhu Mingye. The final score was 44 to 32. Millions of people around the world will be watching Simone Biles this evening as she begins her Tokyo 2020 medal hunt. This preview from the BBC's Sarah Mulcairins. She has a chance of six gold medals in these games. How about that for Simone Biles? It's amazing, isn't it? And it's just 
really speaks to her talent. Um, you know, there is a, nobody really like her and nobody that can come close to matching her. She won four goals and a bronze in Rio. She really captured the imagination of the world then. She just competes with such an energy and an effervescence. She always has a big smile on her face and she gets so much height in her leaps. She is, you know, she pulls off skills and tricks that nobody else does. She has four skills named after her. Um, she was a little bit shaky in team qualifying a couple of days ago. It's the team event that is on a little bit later. USA are undefeated in that in 11 years, but they finished second to the Russians in qualifying. Um, so they will really need to bring their A game a little bit later, but you wouldn't put it past her um, to make sure that herself and her teammates are up there. She will also have a chance of all around uh, gold and then uh, gold in her four individual events as well. Bermuda has won its first ever Olympic gold medal. Flora Duffy made history with victory in the women's triathlon in Tokyo following a powerful final running leg on a stormy course. The tiny island in the North Atlantic with around 64,000 people is the smallest country in terms of population to win top honours at a summer games. The United States and Japan now top the medals table with eight gold medals each. China are not far behind with seven golds. Two athletes, meanwhile, including a Dutch tennis player and 12 security staff for the Games, have tested positive for the coronavirus. And that's our look at sports. Finally, new research suggests that some of the stained glass windows in Canterbury Cathedral in England could be among the oldest in the world. Scientists used a new device to calculate their age. They dated some panels to the middle of the 12th century, the time when Archbishop Thomas Becket was murdered in the cathedral in the year 1170. Here's the BBC's Palab Ghosh. For centuries, the ancestors of Christ panels depicted in the windows of Canterbury Cathedral were thought to have been made by master craftsmen in the 13th century. But more recently, some art historians believed that some of them were made earlier because they were stylistically different. Now, those suspicions have been confirmed by a team from University College London. The researchers developed a device they call a window lizer that can be used on location and doesn't damage the glass. They used it to shine a beam onto the surface, which caused the material in the glass to radiate. This radiation contained the glass's chemical fingerprint, from which the researchers worked out its age. The weather, very hot with sunny periods this afternoon. The very hot weather warning is in effect. Isolated showers and thunderstorms. It's going to remain very hot with a few showers tomorrow. Those showers will increase gradually with thunderstorms later in the week. Temperature now 34 degrees. Humidity is at 63%. To end the news, the top stories once again. Elderly people will be able to get a Covid jab without an appointment as officials seek to boost take-up of inoculation. There's a warning that a sharp fall in the number of pupils could force the closure of some primary schools. And in Tokyo, Hong Kong's swimming queen, Siobhan Hockey, makes history in the 200 metres freestyle. And that's the news from RTHK.
Good afternoon and welcome to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday, the 27th of July is today's date. Big thanks to Phil for the morning brew today. A jam-packed program for you. We're going to start today's show by hearing about a pet ambulance service, which is run by the Hong Kong Pet Club. And we'll be chatting with Zoe Chang, their business development director, about this wonderful service for pets. We hope to also bring you that interview on Facebook Live. So do join us there on Facebook if you can. Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3. And after the 2 o'clock news, Tuesday reporter Andrew Dembina will be joining us for some food updates. That's right, global food news and local food news on today's Tuesday report. And finally, after 2.30, Sadie Kay is back with her skewed take on life with her monthly humour column, Sharp Pains. And this one is called Home Spa. Very funny indeed. So do tune, stay tuned uh, for 2.30 for Sadie Kay's uh, monthly humour column. Um, and uh, We'll be uh, dropping in with some Olympic, uh, 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 what should, how should I say it, Olympic updates on Chiang Kai Long because he was amazing. If you didn't get to catch his game live yesterday, uh, then spend, I don't know, 15 minutes from your day to rewatch uh, his his match with uh, Garozzo. It was amazing. So later on the program, uh, let's get to know Chiang Kai Long a bit better. No, he sadly, he won't be joining us uh, on the line, but I did manage to find some fun facts about him and some of his hobbies and how he got into fencing in the first place so stay tuned for all of that 19 minutes past uh, one o'clock my name is Noreen Mir and I shall be with you until three o'clock this afternoon right now right here this is Edwin Collins will keep on burning <laughs> 